some sort of a variation of what went on in here on Wednesday night. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to go and listen to that, man, I, I'd encourage you. I don't do that a whole lot, but I, <coughs> I'd encourage you to go back and listen to, to Wednesday night. I'm not going to do that tonight, um, probably. I mean today, um, probably uh, maybe here in one day in the future. We'll deal with that. We deal with three kinds of servants on Wednesday night, and um, and we we dealt with a, a dude that was like serving the Lord with Paul at one time, Demas, and and um, and then just forsook Demas and and went to the world, and then we dealt with another guy that uh, had just a, a bad a bad spot in the ministry, kind of kind of left out on, on the things that he knew, and, and he had to come back, and, uh, and God used him in the later part of Paul's life, and then there was another dude by the name of Luke that never left, and uh, so we dealt with those three different kinds of servants. How many of you understand uh, that they were, they, were all in, they were all servants, just some of them were good ones, and, and some of them were okay, and, and some of them well, were just bad ones, amen, and uh, so, so we, we dealt with that, and, and, and look, uh, who, who knows, may develop some more out of that. But tonight, uh, I mean, this morning, I, I want to I talk to you around the idea of when is it time to quit? When is it time to quit? <clears throat> and we're going to develop this thought over the next couple of weeks, and, and I don't know how in-depth the uh, next Sunday will go with, with Brother Dylan and them coming back from camp and all, all that I, I'm not sure what all that's going to look like as far as their part of the service goes Lord willing I'll I'll finish up uh, I'll finish up this thing next we're going to look at three this week we're going to look at three next week um, you take your Bible to Nehemiah chapter four uh, Nehemiah chapter number four and I'm going to talk to you out of the life of Nehemiah when it's time to quit it's an interesting thing uh, discouragement is, is not something that we just talk about. Um, discouragement is actually a reality in the work of the ministry. It's not something we just say. We get discouraged at times. We're, we're, we're talk, and I'm not talking about people coming to church. I'm talking about people that are actively involved in the work of the ministry. Discouragement is real. It's a reality. The thought of just kicking back and... Uh, the thought about just rolling into a life of ease, man, that, that's a real threat for us, right? Uh, that's a real threat that, that we've got to counteract all the time. Why? Because the work of the ministry is actually work. That's why, that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, but, you know, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why would God call it work? Well, because it's work. Because it's hard. It's, it, it's laborious. We're busy, we're trying to raise families, we're trying to make our marriages what God wants them to be. And, and, and how many of you understand that the mission takes work, it takes hard work, and it, it takes a heart that's set to pleasing the Lord in and around the mission. It's, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, and, and when, you, when you think about it, the, the, the threat of quitting, it's not just a thought. In, in reference to Wednesday night, the threat of quitting is not just a thought. It's a reality for many that's gone on before us. And the sad fact is that it will be a, it will be a reality for many that come after us. That not everybody, everybody that says they're going to count the cost of following Jesus is really going to count it. That, that everybody that says, I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole heart and I'm, I'm going to do that, I'm going to follow hard after the Lord. Why? Because the work of the ministry is hard. The work of the Lord is hard and at times is extremely discouraging. It's really discouraging when, 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 you, have, uh, when, when you work really hard and you, you pour a lot into a certain thing or a certain somebody, only to have that certain somebody, like Demas did the Apostle Paul, just to walk out on you. Man, I, I don't know what crushing blow it must have been when Mark walked out, when John Mark walked out on the Apostle Paul, in the middle of that first missionary journey, just left the Apostle Paul. Now look, we know he came back at the end of his life, and God used John Mark in, in, uh, in, in the work of the Lord. 
But it's important to understand and to decide that we will not be pulled away from that which God's called us to. It's important to count the cost. When we come to Nehemiah chapter number 4, discouragement, opposition, uh, threats, heartache, they have all came to Nehemiah. Every single one of them. Opposition has overrode Nehemiah's work. Discouragement has his 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 overrode Nehemiah. Threats and heartache, they all came to Nehemiah. And here, you ready? They come in the middle of what God's called them to do. Nehemiah 4 is about getting to the halfway point. Nehemiah 4 is about uh, getting and and and, and I'm gonna get We'll, we'll get where we need to go, and I'll kind of, but I want to give you a backdrop of what's going on. Nehemiah 4 is about getting to the halfway point. You see, the, the city of Jerusalem, in Nehemiah 4, the city of Jerusalem was completely conquered by the Babylonians. It was conquered by the Babylonians because of sin and because of rebellion. How many understand that God will allow you to some things to take you captive when you are rebellious to God's word and you are living in sin so that you can see where you are. Well, this is where the children of Israel are. This is where Jerusalem is. The once glorious uh, temple of Solomon that Israel would take great pride in. Hey, it's all been destroyed. Uh, they, they deported almost everybody from, from that city and that region. And for 70 years, Jerusalem has been a ghost town. It, 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 it had potential to end up just like every other, uh, every other ancient city in history. And, and so here, 150 years after the city has been destroyed, there's a, a man gets a, gets a burden, and, and he gets a burden to go into this once great city and, and lead a company of people, lead a, a, a group of people to build that which has been destroyed. But you understand as well as I do, building anything, it's been tore down, it comes with opposition, it comes with discouragement, it comes with criticism. And how we deal with critics and how we deal with criticism, how we deal with opposition, how we deal with threats will be will will, will be whether will will determine whether or not we finish the course that God's given us. There is three men. In, in this chapter, and they're what you would call the main agents of discouragement. Uh, they're the main agents of, of discouragement. One's, one, one man, his, his name is Samballat, another Tobiah, and another Geshem. Samballat and Tobiah are, uh, are, 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 are spoken more about in this chapter than Geshem, but you need to understand who they are. They're Horonites and they're Ammonites, and these were two people uh, two different people groups that God had driven from the promised land for the Israelites. Now they're, they're regional governors, if you would, and they're ser serving under the king of Persia. And, and, and what's interesting about this whole, this whole idea is to understand that they've got a burr in their saddle towards Nehemiah about Jerusalem because of where they're from. Uh, the, the, the likelihood they are, they are of, they're of a group of people that are not of God's people. They're not of God's ways. They're not of God's laws. So, so they're constantly trying to come against Nehemiah to keep the walls, to keep Jerusalem from being rebuilt. How many of you understand? There is going to be people groups, specifically people groups that are going to come against the work of God to keep it from being rebuilt. Because see, here's the mentality. If we rebuild the walls, we can rebuild the people. If we rebuild the walls, if we put a structural system back in place that needs to be in place that was destroyed, then we can rebuild the people. I don't know if I don't know if you're connecting any of the dots yet or not, but we but we've had we've had certain people groups do everything they can to destroy the structural foundation that we once held dear that was not just not just building churches, it was building people. 
that comprise these churches. And once you tear the foundation, the structural foundations away that build people, then you can destroy churches. Why? Because people make churches. People comprise churches. Now, it's interesting to realize a couple things you need to know. Nehemiah is not just a descriptive book. It's a prescriptive book. It's not just descriptive. It's got a lot of medicine that needs to be taken from it. This is not just Nehemiah's life, but it's, it's our life in the work of God on display. This is not just Nehemiah's life. And, and I've already made, made reference to this point. It's always about rebuilding the walls so that God could rebuild the people. It's always been about rebuilding the wall and rebuilding the structure so that God could rebuild the people. When the work of the, uh, of the wall was finished, then God started working in the, work, in the people's hearts. When the, the, the structural foundation was, was, was finished, then God started working in the, people, in the people's hearts. And, and then I, I want you to notice this last one. Any great work of God begins with God doing a great work in somebody. Any great work of God begins with God doing a great work in somebody. Now I want to read, I want to read Nehemiah chapter number 1 and, and uh, chapter number 4 verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that, the, uh, that, that, that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and, and said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Verse 4, Hear, O God, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head. And give them up for prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity. And let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee unto anger before the builders. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. It's an interesting place that these people are. They're at the place to where it's halfway done. It's not three quarters of the way down. It's, it's interesting. We always sit right here. We understand that God doesn't waste words. And they're halfway done. How many of you know people that get to the halfway mark and just decide, I'm done? It, 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 especially, uh, especially in churches, it seems like the halfway mark is a good place to get to. Well, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not where I want to be, but halfway is way further than where I was. Halfway's, halfway's way further. Than where, and what we do is we lack the commitment to finish the course that God set before us. We lack the commitment to finish the work, the rebuilding of the walls in our own life. And so what my, my hope would be, would be that we could identify any unhealthy or unrealistic expectations in our lives as Christians involved in God's work. I, I, I hope that we can get a better understanding of, of maybe some of the opposing factors in our life as Christians. Now, I don't know how many of you thought that, it, that it, it would be easier than what it is. And I, I, I sure did. I, I, I thought, hey, I'll be honest with you, I thought discipleship would be way easier. I, I mean, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that we was going to fall on our face like we did. I didn't know that I was going to fall on my face. I didn't, know that the per, I, I didn't know that that could happen and that that necessarily would happen. I heard it told, but I guess I just didn't believe it. <laughs> Number two, I, that, that God would show us where we're actually putting our hope and where we actually get our comfort from. So I'm praying that God will show us where our faith is actually being put. 
Because if you're not careful, it won't be in God. If you're not careful, you won't finish the race because your faith is actually not appropriated to the right position. And then that God would, 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 would further equip you and me through Nehemiah, through this chapter number 4, to be able to counsel one another through difficult times. You see, pain and, and, and hard times. It, it seems like the, the, the pain and hard times cause us to, to dip out because we don't have the right perspective. It, 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 it's like we've been, we've, been, we, we've been to the place to where we feel like we shouldn't have the pain and we shouldn't have the hard times. And so we dip out when we do have the pain and do have the hard times because the mindset is this. I can have the pain and the hard times in the world. And so we need men and women that will minister to other men and women in difficult times. You see, God knew you was going to go through this stuff. God knew we was going to experience loneliness. God knew we was going to experience hard times. God knew we was going to feel incomplete, that the whole world was against us. You ever felt like the whole world was against you? I mean, you ever felt like, I mean, not the universe was going one way and you felt like you was going the other? Like everything that you've done just didn't work. Well, God, is, God needs some men and God needs some women that can help other men and women get the right perspective on the Christian life. And you see, the fact is you're going to face opposition. You're going to face opposition in ministry on a regular basis. Anything worth doing is going to be fought by the devil. Anything that's going to that's pan out at the judgment seat of Christ is going to be fought by Satan. It's going to be fought by carnal people. You see, opposition is anything or anyone that threatens your advancement in the work of the ministry. Anything or anyone. Now, now make sure you get this, because this, this is where we're going to get crazy at right here. On that anything part. Anything or anyone that threatens your advancement in the work of the ministry is opposition. What does that mean? It means anything or anyone that threatens your advancement in the work of the ministry is opposition. Now, now let the Holy Ghost let that one set on you just a minute. Anything... Brother Mark, you know, I don't know how many of you remember him him uh, talking about the 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 boxes. I got my I got my family life here. I got my work life here. I got what was another what was another one? Uh, it was like four or five boxes, and I got all these. My oh, I got my marriage here. I got my family, uh, my kids here. I got my work life here. I got my church life here. And then over here on this other side was, uh, was, was Jesus in its own box. And, and he would say we're, we compartmentalize everything out to where that Jesus has to stay in that box when actually Jesus is our life. And it was never meant to be all those different compartmentalized uh, things. It, it, we were never meant to compartmentalize our life. What, what do you mean? It was supposed to be Jesus in all of those. And so the idea is anything that would oppose your advancement in the work of the ministry is opposition. So, so, so... We need to understand. There's a couple of things about Nehemiah before we jump right into this thing. Nehemiah chapter number 1. Nehemiah gets a heart. And Nehemiah gets a burden for Jerusalem. He gets a heart for, for, for uh, Jerusalem. He gets a burden for Jerusalem. And, and I want to say that, that man, uh, me and you, we, we will never start the work of the ministry until we have the right heart and we have the right burden to do it. Uh, chapter 2 and, and, and chapter 3, 
Uh, it, it goes into the, this big laundry list of planning and preparation and laying out how God's work needs to be accomplished. And how many of you understand? You, you cannot, and, and people will fault us to the nth degree, you cannot go at God's word haphazardly. There has to be a plan. And so they plan and they prepare. And then what's, what's crazy is, is halfway, chapters 4 uh, through chapter 6, is all about opposition, it's all about oppression, and it's all about discouragement. Three chapters. We got three chapters to where we got a heart and we started planning. Now the next three chapters is all about somebody trying to come against what God did in our heart. Does that make sense? Uh, the next three chapters is all about somebody and something trying to come against what God did in our heart in chapter 1. And I want you to understand, you've got to make sure you get this. That there is way more spiritual warfare going on than what we realize in the work of God. Why? Because every time God gives a man a burden, there's going to be opposition. So I'm going to talk to you about how do, how do we respond to this opposition? How do we respond to criticism? How do we, how do we respond to all of this in the middle of God's work? We're, we're, let's just say we're, we're halfway there. Now, we probably ain't. But let's say we're, for the sake of understanding, we're halfway there. We're halfway home. We're halfway there. How do we respond to this? Well, understand, uh, number one, the critical will attack the critical, they will attack. You need to understand that. The, the, you're halfway there. Uh, the critical are going to attack. They are going to attack you. And, 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 and you see that in Sambal and Tobiah when, when they start out with these feeble Jews. And they start asking the question, will they, will they, and will they? And, 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 and here's what you notice. The attack is not just... Is not on the work, but it's on them personally. It's on them personally, and I want to say, uh, in the middle of God's work, you are going to find you are going to find some people that are going to attack you personally. They are going to attack your past. They are going to attack you right now. They're going to do everything they can to attack who you are as a person, and that's what they done. They attack. They attacked. Uh, they attacked them. Personally, but they notice this. The Bible says, "Will they fortify themselves? Will they fortify themselves?" And now, now, this, this is a big deal. It's this is a big deal that, that's going on because this word "fortify" means to commit. It, it means to forsake. It means to deny. It means to leave. Will they commit themselves? Will they, how about this? Will they forsake themselves? Will they deny themselves? Will they leave themselves? Are they going to forsake their, you ready? Are they going to forsake their life to build this wall? Sounds a lot like Matthew 16. Then Jesus said unto, the, unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It sounds a, a whole lot like that. He says, will they sacrifice? Will they seek God? Do you remember this mode of sacrificing is about seeking God? Remember, this is, this is how they sought the Lord. They sought the Lord through sacrifice. They praised the Lord through sacrifice. And, 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 and what Tobiah and Sambalat said, will they seek the Lord through sacrifice? And you ready? And expect Him to miraculously build these walls? They're making fun of them. And they said, well, they make an end in a day. It's almost like, it's almost like this. Do they have any idea what they're taking on? You know, what's, what's crazy is when, you, when, when, when me and you signed up for, uh, for the work of the ministry, I don't think any of us had any idea what was taking on, did we? I mean, maybe you were smarter than I was, and you had you you had you, but you didn't have any idea necessarily what you were taking on. Why? Because this is not an easy project. And so, the, you ready? 
do they understand that they can't finish this thing in a day? You see, this microwavable idea of work even consumed Sanballat and Tobiah back in the day. Do they understand that they're not going to finish the wall today? Will they make an end in a day? Matthew 16, he says it like this in Matthew 16, for whosoever will save his life. Are you ready? He didn't say for whosoever will save his day. It goes, it, it, take with me what Sam Ballant and Tobiah were saying about building that wall that, that, that you and me, we're, we've got to understand for whosoever will save his life. What, what are you saying? I'm saying it's not a, it's not a you're not going to finish it today. You're not going to finish today. You're not going to finish tomorrow unless Jesus Christ comes back. Unless you are taken out of this world. But they tried to discourage them with the fact do they understand that they can't end this thing today? You know, one of the hardest realities for me is being satisfied with the fact that I don't have to end and finish today. One of the most satisfying realities for me is that I, 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 I'm not going to finish today. And so what do I do? I work every day so that I, I understand I'm not going to finish today. It could be the day but I, for me, but I'm not going to finish today. So what do I got to do? I got to keep working. I got to keep building. I got to keep, I got to keep trying to put up the wall. I got to keep on in God's work. I got to keep on in the work, Lord. Why? Because I'm not trying to hand down a faulty wall. Do you realize that? We're not handing down faulty walls to our kids. You know what? They, they probably had an army big enough to finish the wall in a day. But do you understand that good, good, good things like that are not built in a day? And if you want to hand down a system, a faulty system to our children, then go ahead and try to finish it in a day. Try to raise your kids in the day and see how long that happens. We're more worried about having one good day than a whole year, than 365 okay days. We're worried about having, we're worried about raising our kids in, in such a way to where, well, they, they like us one week rather than worried about what, rather than worried about any of that, making sure that they understand that the whole year. Why? Because it ain't going to happen in a day. I'm not going to raise my kids in a day. I'm not going to build this ministry. We're not going to lay the foundation for this ministry in a day. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to finish discipleship in, in a day. You'll be lucky if you finish it in a year and a half with Daniel. That was a, that was a shot that should have been, uh, been struck to my heart, Brother Daniel. I do apologize. I'm just kidding. Me and Charlie, we may finish. We 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 may finish five or six years from now. And and I and, and I'm okay. Charlie probably ain't, but I'm okay with that. I actually, I actually like hanging out with Charlie, believe it or not. So Charlie's Charlie, uh, God's using Charlie. And I think Charlie's figured out that, you know what? You're not gonna make an end of this thing in a day. We're crazy to think such. Here's a, here's a big one. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Are, 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 are they going to bring back the stones that have been destroyed by the past fires? The, 
they're going to put them stones that's got burned marks back up against that wall, back up on the wall. They're going to put the stones that's, that's been burned with fire that has blemishes on them. Are they going to rebuild the walls with the, with the stones that have, have blemishes on them? I mean, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you don't have any blemishes. But I got a lot of blemishes. I got a lot from my past. You know what? There's a lot of people that's going to tell you that you shouldn't be used in the building of the wall, in the work of the Lord. People really say that all the time. Man, people are looking for, for people are looking for, for pastors based on superstar status. The worst thing that ever happened for me is you getting to know me. You realize that? You say, well, why, why is that? Well, b- because you find out I'm just a normal person. It blows the bubble that people's been, been, it pops the bubble that people's been making for all these years. That this dude behind the pulpit is some kind of, like he's some kind of untouchable. In reality, all it is is he's, he has the same black marks on him. He has the same burn marks on him that everybody else has. But First Peter says it, says it a little different than what we think of it. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, he said, Ye also are lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You see, what happens is when me and you are in the work of the ministry, it doesn't look like stones to Jesus Christ that have burn marks. No, it looks like lively stones. It looks like stones that were dead but now are alive. It looks like stones that are alive now and they're building a spiritual house that is a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices and they're acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That's what we look like to Jesus Christ. Not to the world, but to Jesus Culture is going to criticize you, though. Why? Because that's what they do. That's what culture does. It criticizes you. (coughs) Sam Ballant and Tobiah, they represent the culture of their time. How? Well, the walls are destroyed, the people's beaten down. Anybody? I mean, you got to throw this out there now. Is anybody listening to this red-headed fool from Virginia? I mean, my Lord have mercy. That dude has sang a song that the whole world is like, I, I actually don't understand how we hadn't formed a riot just yet. But, but he, he really is painting a picture of what culture has done to us. It's done to most people in America. He's painted, and that's why it resonates so much with people because because he has painted a portrait of the way a lot of American people feel. Amen? Does that make sense? All right, so so here's where we are. Culture has 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 destroyed the walls. They destroyed the structures. How many of you understand that 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 America has done what it's what it can to destroy biblical Christianity? I don't know. I don't know if you if you you have to look very far to see when a transgender is more welcome in a public library than a preacher is with a Bible, or or, or anybody is with a the Bible. There's a problem. 
There's a problem in a societal breakdown. Somebody sent me a thing today and said, man, I, I, I'm scope, uh, uh, about scoping out my kids' teachers, going and scoping out my kids' teachers to see which one of them looks like they w- would bring some gender confusion to my child. Well, that's where we are. I mean, I, I want, I, I, you know, I, I think at one time I wanted to be a horse when I was uh, Ridge's age. Man, it'd be cool to be a horse. I remember standing on my grandma's barn and thought it'd be a cool deal. And I don't shame me, I've been there. But it'd be a cool deal to be a bird and just jump off this barn right now and never hit the ground. But you know what? Shane didn't convince me, nor did my grandma, nor did anybody else that I was a bird and I didn't jump off the barn. Does that make sense? It's a shame that we got to work in that environment, but that's the environment that we've been given. And that's where Sam Bell and Tobiah was. They wanted the people beaten down, and they wanted the people to, 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 to understand that they couldn't get out of that. So what they do? They said, look at these feeble Jews. Look at these feeble Christians. Who do they think they are when they're trying to trust God to be on their side and do something in their life? Man, the attacks from the outside, mainly uh, maybe this go- governmental system that we have. But you can also talk about the attacks from the inside, which are much greater are much greater threat to us. The government's not a great threat to us right now. It could be one day, but not right now. Some attacks from the inside for me and you are, are consumer-oriented religion. What, what can you give me? What can you offer me? What can you offer me in in this church that is going to benefit me? And if you don't offer me all the things that that I want, well, well, I'm going to have to bow out. What what about self-worship? All it is is streams out of the consumer-oriented religion is self-worship. And and how about the anti-authority mentality? Well, there there is no book that's going to be authority over me. There is no body that's going to have any authority in my life which flows into sensual willpower, which eventually leads to extremely weak-hearted convictions. And a man and a woman with no backbone, with no biblical backbone whatsoever that will allow whatever to come in their house and do whatever and say whatever and be whatever and live however they want to and be whatever they want to. You say, well, you're just that dude that is, is, is just abnormal. Well, here's the thing. I may be abnormal, but here's what I do know. I have an authority, and I'm not moving off of it. I don't have anywhere else to go. 24 years old, I got saved. God saved me. I had an authority that night that said I was saved. What, what, what authority was that? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the, with the heart man believeth in the righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I believe that. Why? Because it is God's word. It is the authority of my life. And so I believe that. Well, I don't have anywhere else to go. I don't have nothing else to believe. Critics who, who, who bring up nothing but discouragement, they often, they often miss what God's doing. They can't, they can't see what God's doing. Why? Well, because they don't like the wall, and they can't believe that it's God's work because, you ready? It didn't start with them to begin with. Like, like I don't like that because it didn't start with me. I don't like that because, you ready? I can't throw money at it and make it work. The things that I don't like, I can't get, well, it it doesn't fit my gifting. What gifting is that? Spiritual? That's that's not a gifting. Spiritual spiritual people are not, they're not, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just being a Christian. Amen? So so notice notice what else they say. (laughs) They say even if a fox go up. I had a guy leave this place, I don't know, a couple of years ago with that mentality that even if a fox go up with the idea that it wouldn't take much for the work to fall to nothing. Well, it ain't going to take much. It ain't going to take much for that ministry to fall. It ain't going to take much for that ministry to go to naught. It ain't going to take much. It's not going to take much for, for that ministry to find itself where it is nothing else. So may, may I say that? 
That might be the case, but I'm not trusting, I'm not trusting, I'm not trusting that word. That even if a fox go up, that, that it wouldn't take much for the work to fall. Can you imagine the discouragement from that statement, though? Can you imagine those guys saying about and Tobiah as they're mocking and they're saying, man, even if a fox go up on that wall. It wouldn't take but a very minute amount. Can you imagine how discouraged they were? That'd have to be a hard pill to swallow. That'd have to be a hard pill to swallow. Why were they so discouraged? Well, they were wroth and and they took great indignation and, and they mocked the Jews because they were Jews, because of who they were. Because Nehemiah, and, and, and here, here's, here's, here's what you got to remember, Nehemiah, in his planning and preparation, had gotten legal protection from the king. Now, that's chapter 2 in, in verse number 7. They had gotten legal protection from the king to build these walls in Jerusalem. They would already planned everything they needed to plan. And they made sure that they wasn't doing this out from under their authority structure. And so Sambala and Tobiah, they had no authority to stop the work because they had already been given, uh, they have already been given uh, orders from the king. So what do they do? Well, they do all you can do. They discourage you see, here's, here's where we are. Let, let's say we're back at the halfway point. The, wall, the walls are halfway built, and we have been given. The exact same thing comes into our life, and we've been legally set free by the king. We have the commission, right? We have Matthew chapter 28. We have uh, Mark chapter 16. We've been given the commission to go into the world and make disciples, preach the gospel, make disciples of all men. And we've been set free. We've been given the legal document to do that. And yet, in, and, and the devil knows that we've been given the, pow, the power to do that. The devil knows. Satan knows we've been given the power to do that. Yet, the only way we can, we can draw back is like the Jews were trying to be drawn into drawing back, and that is to be discouraged. That's to be criticized. That's to be talked about. That's to be ridiculed. That's to be made fun of. Even if a fox go up. Look at that little old place over Even if a fox go up. Can you imagine it? Let's boil it down to your own life. Man, you, you got your own ministry structure at home. Man, even if a fox go up in that home. Wouldn't take much for that home to fall. Wouldn't take much for that home to collapse. How how do you know that? I know it because it comes to my life too. It comes in my life and it says the same thing. Why? Because discouragement is real. It's not something we talk about. It's a reality. The facts are this. We work differently under faith than we do discouragement. Everybody in the room, you work differently under faith than you do discouragement. You ready for this? I preach differently under faith than I do discouragement. I myself, I preach in a way that's much different under faith than it is discouragement. I pray different under faith than I do discouragement. I read my Bible and I hear my Bible when I read my Bible differently under faith then I do discouragement. Same goes for you. Me and you, we do the same thing. We, we read and we hear differently under faith than we do discouragement. And it is no wonder that Satan works so hard to keep us from faith and keep us in discouragement. So, how, how do you operate? When you're discouraged, How about this? How do those around you operate when you're discouraged? There's been a lot of people, there's been a lot of people that have taken on various roles of leadership. There's been a lot of people that have taken on different forms of leadership. And, and, and how you operate in discouragement will directly impact how those around you are following you. 
So we'll either, we'll either operate full of faith or we'll operate in discouragement. But, but according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, not, not mine. It's not according to my faith in your life. No, it's according to your faith in Jesus Christ. Be it unto you. That's how it'll be. Number, number two, we may not even make it to three today. N number two, the spiritual leader spent time in prayer. The spiritual leader spent time in prayer. Now, now I want I want to say, don't don't exclude anybody in the room from that idea of being a spiritual leader, because everybody in the room, whether you believe it or not, you are leading somebody. But the spiritual leader spent time in prayer. Notice what happens. He's discouraged. He, he's he's being discouraged. He's being ridiculed. He's in, they're in total opposition to what he's doing. And look what he does in verse number 4. Hear, O our God. Ready for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them a prey. Give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So before the 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 the, the, the people building this wall, they they're they're doing all, all uh, they're doing these first three verses, and they're man they are ridiculing these builders. They are ridiculing these men, and and notice what happens. Nehemiah goes to goes straight to God. Man, you ever wonder why we quit the work we know we're supposed to be doing? You ever wonder why, you, you ever question why you quit the work you know you're supposed to be doing? I, I think it's because we fail to realize how many don't want us doing the work. Many of us let opposition spin us into a, a, a mental and emotional tailspin because we fail to realize that, it, that it's coming to start with. And you know what happens? It causes you to question the goodness of God. God, how can you be good if you're allowing all this opposition in my life? And what we fail to realize is that there are more in, in opposition for us than there are, you, you ready, that are on our side. He said, well, that's a big, bold statement. I don't know if you've turned on the TV today. Man, there, there is more garbage flooding our TVs than I've ever seen in my life, and there's more Christian people that are indulging in that garbage than anything I've ever seen again. And what happens is we... We fail to, to, to realize that there's more against us than are with us. Okay. Real bleak, real bad. Yeah, amen. That's all terrible. And then God says, all right. But if God be for you, why? Well, because you and God are actually a majority. You and God are the majority. Yeah, there's more against you, but if God be for us, then who can be against us? There, there, there's a whole group of people against you, and what you've got to realize, there's more against you, and there's going to be more discouragement, and there's going to be more opposition, and there's going to be more people coming at you in such a way to where they criticize and ridicule you and will cause you to believe that it's not worth it. But if God be for you, then who can be against you? Why? Because you and God are a majority. And so here's what Nehemiah knows. Here's what Nehemiah knows. I got to go to God before I go to anybody else. Let 
Before I go to anybody else, i got to go to God. I, I, so, and, you know, I struggle with that. This is a big struggle of mine. But because I want to go, because uh, I believe there's safety in the multitude of counselors. How many of you believe that? I believe there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And praise the Lord that I have counselors in my life. But did you know the, the first place, the first thought my mind should always turn to is i got to get to God before I get to anybody else. Before I call so-and-so, i got to get to God. Before I text so-and-so and I ask so-and-so, what do you, what, man, what do you think about it? No, I, I've got to get to God. He went to God before he went to anybody else. And what did he do? He asked God to fight the battle. He didn't actually fight it. He asked God to fight it. He said, God, I want you, God, can you handle these boys? God, do this to these boys. Look, look at Psalm 35 and verse 1. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. An interesting thing that we often forget in Ephesians 6.10 is that God wants us to be strong in the Lord, not strong in ourselves. God wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power not of our might, but of His might, of the might of Jesus Christ. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then he understood that this was God's work and that God would provide a way he understood that this was God's work and that God would provide a way. So when is it time to quit? Look at verse 6. So we built the wall. So we built the wall. If you can understand the series of events that seems to happen within five verses, six verses. They're working on the wall. And Sam Ballant and Tobiah, they, they're mad about the working of the wall. And they come up to the Jews and, 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 and they make fun of the Jews and they call them names and they tell them crazy things and they sell this crazy stuff. And, you know, they, they ridicule the work and they ridicule the wall and they ridicule how it's built. They ridicule the construction of the wall. And in the middle of all that, Nehemiah's, Nehemiah hears all the ridicule and the criticism and, and he goes to pray and he calls out on the Lord. And, and, and immediately, now I want you to get this, immediately after his prayer, what does he do? He goes straight back to work. So we built, so built we the wall. Man, how many of us pray? We get, we get discouraged. We hear the ridicule. We hear the criticism. We hear the talk. And, and, and so what happens? We pray. And then we go find a a room with a TV. And because we're so discouraged, we get on our phones and we'll turn the TV on and we'll sit for hours. Because depression, and because oppression, and because criticism, and because ridicule. And look, I'm not saying it ain't real. It was real in Elijah's life. Elijah just had God done calling fire down from heaven and seen God do a miraculous work, kill all the prophets of Baal. And Jezebel says, uh, Jezebel says this day, Elijah, I'm going to kill. You're going to be dead on this. I'm going to do exactly what you did to the prophets of Baal this day. And what does Elijah do? He runs off into the woods because he's scared. One woman, one old hag running her mouth, and he runs off in the woods. And what, 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 what happens to Elijah? Elijah needs a nap and something to eat. That's all Elijah needs. He falls asleep under a juniper tree. He gets up and he's got something to eat, and, and things are different for Elijah. It's crazy how we are. 
Sometimes you really you 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 don't need to you don't need to do anything but take a nap, get something to eat, get back to work. You don't need to go, you don't need to hull up in a house and turn TV on and watch it for six hours because you're discouraged and you're depressed and you've been criticized and you've been ridiculed and you're depressed and you're just so brokenhearted about something. You don't need to do that. Why? Because the prince of the power of the air wants you in front of that TV. He wants you in front of that cell phone. Why? Because this is how he controls you. That's how he controls you. Why? Because sometimes it's spiritual to take a nap, get something to eat, and get back to work. Well, are you saying all of that's evil? You, you do with that what you want to do. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof. You ready? For the people had a mind to work. They didn't let the criticism get to them. They had the right focus and they had the right mindset. What was the focus and what was the mindset? What would the focus be for me? What would the focus be for you? John 17 and verse 26 says, I declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. They continued the mission. And he said unto them in Mark 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So what they do? They built the wall. They continued the work that God had called them to. <clears throat> Some of you, you decided a long time ago, I'm throwing in the work. I'm throwing in for the work. Throwing in the work, the ministry. I'm going all in. I'm buying into this thing wholeheartedly. And, and you know what? You, you've made it halfway. You've not listened to those around you. You've decided you're going to follow Jesus. You have forgotten those things that are behind. And you press forward to those things that are before. You press toward the mark, the high, uh, the, calling of Je- the, high, the high and holy calling of Jesus Christ. And, and everything, you ready? Everything should be good, right? Everything should be good. Man, everybody ought to be on your side now. Why? Because you threw in for Jesus and you've been, you've been rocking along for all these years. Should be good, right, Brother Sean? Should, should be all good now. Well, we ought, we ought to be, we ought, well, everything, man, everything should be fine now. I've done this and God's working and God's doing this in my life. But I want you to understand, that ain't how it works. Whosoever's name was not found in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. The beast, the false prophet, hell, one day they're all going to be cast in the lake of fire. And whosoever's name was not found. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why the devil is so discouraging and so opposing, and he has people that criticize us. You know, you know, I, you know what I figured out. Ten years at this place, ten years in this ministry, I was a youth pastor for a year, year and a half before that. Do you know what I found out 10 years, almost February, be 10 years here? The people that know more about ministry than me are the people that ain't doing it. For real. 
the people that know more about ministry than me and how to do the work of the ministry, they're not doing it. Do you, do you know this? Most of them don't even go to a local church. You know what I figured out a long time ago? you got to like the way you're doing it better than the people that ain't doing anything. Because here's, here's the facts. The loudest voices, this is a big cliche, but it's 100% true. The loudest voices of criticism always come from the cheapest seats. The loudest boos in a stadium, they come from the $20 seats. They don't come from the $1,000 seats. You ain't ever going to watch a dude at, at, at a Braves basketball game that spend $1,000 on a seat unless he's drunk. Unless he done rolled up in the Delta Club too long. No, no, no. It's the ones that don't have anything invested. In the game, they're always going to be the loudest boos. They're always going to be the most critical. And what you've got to determine and what i got to determine, when is, when is it time to quit? It ain't. There's three more. We're going we're gonna to look at three more next week, and, and we'll, Lord willing. And, and man, I want, you to, I want you to get this in your heart. When is it time to quit? Because it... I don't, I don't, everybody's, people are telling me this, people are telling me that. When's it time to quit? You know what? Listen to the ridicule. Take your prayer to God. Call on the Lord like you could, like you need, like it's your ever dying call. Call on the Lord and guess what? Let's go back to work. Let's just go back working. Why? Well, while, while the people's got a mind to work, it ain't time for me to be over in a corner sucking my thumb somewhere worried about so-and-so talking about me. It ain't, it, I, ain't got, I, I, don't ha, I don't have the time to be worrying about what so-and-so has got to say about the way we're doing ministry. Why? Because it don't take much to get the ministry done around here. You know the one thing that most people won't give is the one thing that it takes. What is the one thing? Faithfulness. You just got to be faithful. The, 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 you'll never disciple a person that won't be faithful. A person will never grow in the Lord that won't be faithful. A one-time-a-month deal will never cut it for a person that wants to grow in the Lord. A two-time-a deal, it'll never cut it for a person that is going to grow in the Lord. It never happens. Never has, never will. It'll never be the case. I want to pray for you. And, and I don't know where you are necessarily. I, I don't know... Um, Man, I, I would dare say God wouldn't, wouldn't have given, given me this if there wasn't somebody in the room that was, that was battling ridicule, that was battling discouragement, that was, that was battling opposition, and in your mind wondering, uh, is, is, is all this true? Here, you, you can never get, you'll never get away from that. You'll never get away from it. Long as you live, you will never get away from ridicule. You will never get away from criticism. You will never get away from opposition. Why? Because everybody ain't going to be for you. Everybody ain't going to be for this church. Everybody ain't going to be for me. Everybody, everybody ain't going to be for you. Why? Because that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Be, but Jesus Christ said, beware when all men speak well of you. Well, I thought that was a good thing. Well, G Jesus said it wasn't a good thing when all men spoke well of you. You ought to have some people in your life that speak bad of you. I want to pray for you. I don't know where you are. I, I don't know. I know that there's no temptation taking me, but such is common to all of us. That's what I do know. Because that's what Jesus said. Let me pray for you. Lord. <clears throat> Thank you for uh, some practical truth from the life of Nehemiah. God, it's, 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 it, 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 it has been a great thing 
uh, to pivot this, the work that we've been in to, to actually have uh, fruit at the judgment seat of Christ. It's been, it's been fantastic, Lord. But it has not come without casualty. Lord, it has not come with, without people uh, that have been on board and, and, then, and then not anymore. Lord, it hasn't come without uh, people growing weary in the journey and weary in well-doing. And Lord, they, they've forgotten that, that they were going to reap in, in due time, in due season. Lord, it hasn't come without, without people that, good people that love Jesus Christ that just got tired. That got wore out and that got discouraged. And, and Lord, because the majority is preaching a different gospel. The majority is preaching a different authority. And God, we're steadily going against the grain in everything that we do, everything that we say. Lord, just like you did, everything that you did was, was completely opposite of what the Pharisees thought, what organized religion thought, what, what the world system thought, everything that you did. When they thought you ought to be hanging out with them, you hung out with sinners. Lord, when, when, when they thought you ought to be doing one thing, healing people, you were spending time with your father. Lord, everything was backwards. And, and so, God, I, I can't do anything but encourage this, this group of people, this group of people that are dedicated to serving the Lord to realize that it is just that, that everything is backwards and that we must press on, that we must wholeheartedly follow after Jesus Christ with everything that we have. God, I'm asking you to bless the work. Lord, bless it because there's some people here that's bought into it. And they believe it and they trust it. Lord, there's some Luke's in the room. Lord, there'll be some Demases, and they've been Demases that's came and gone. But God, I, I thank you for the Luke's in the room. Thank you, Lord, for the Marks in the room as well. The ones that came back. God, I know you'll bring more back. Lord, we just got to trust you. We've got to go to God. We've got to go to you first. We've got to set our affections on things above and go to you first. Not go to our own, our own strength and our own power and our own wisdom, which is going to work death. But God, we go to you first. God bless what was said this morning and may you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.